I'd like to read with you tonight Mark's Gospel. Gospel of Mark in chapter 2. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2. Mark, chapter 2. Verse number 1. And he, that is the Lord Jesus, entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Straightway many were gathered together, and so much there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of palsy, which was born of four. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Now they were right on that point, verse 8. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into thine house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth therefore before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God saying we never saw it on this fashion now please notice in verse number 12 we have had the expression in verse number 9 number 10 thy bed now it changes to the bed in verse number 12 we'll come back to that final reading please in the Acts just after Mark is Luke, John then Acts in chapter 13 (coughs) Acts chapter 13 And verse number 38. Acts 13, verse number 38. Acts 13 and verse number 38 says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, that is the Lord Jesus, that Peter is talking about, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be <coughs> excuse me, justified by the law of Moses. Let me read that to you, or with you again. Verse number 38. Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Now, I'm emphasizing that for this reason. Nowhere in your Bible was any pastor, preacher, or priest given the authority or the power to forgive anybody's sins. That's what we read in Mark chapter 2. Back in Mark chapter 2, the people confessed themselves. God only can forgive sins. And now, very clearly, he states here, that is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins through this man. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. That's what I'd like to speak on tonight in the Gospel meeting is the truth of the forgiveness of sins. 
People become very uncomfortable sometimes if you ask them if they're saved. Hmm. Now people have experienced what it means to be saved or to be born again. have no difficulty with it. But people that are not saved, never had a time in their life when they were saved. There's likely not a time when they're more uncomfortable in life than when if they're asked, are you saved? They have to almost take up the language of the people in Jeremiah's day and they were honest in their confession and they said, we are not saved. Well, we've noticed in the last couple of nights the truth of being born again. And you ask people if they're born again and sometimes if that's never really happened in their life, likewise they're uncomfortable. Not that those truths of being born again or being saved are less important because they are not. But I want to center, just zero in if you like tonight, on the truth of the forgiveness of sins. When a person is born again, their sins are forgiven. When they are saved, which is the same thing, their sins are forgiven. There's a lot of transactions that literally happen the moment, the very moment, that a person places faith in Christ, or believes on God, or believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. But tonight, I just want to speak, as I've said, on the truth of the forgiveness of sins. Nobody. Again, just as nobody's going to be in heaven that's not born again. Nobody's going to be in heaven that's not saved. Nobody will be in heaven that isn't on this narrow way, having a time when they enter the door. Likewise, nobody will be in heaven with unforgiven sins. You know, you you can really... uh, if I could use the term, you could really address or question a lot of faiths, so to speak. A lot of uh, churches and a lot of um, even uh, Mideast religions, if you like. By and large, they will agree that sins have to be forgiven. I mean, they will admit we sin. I don't know any particular faith, and I'm just calling that as a general term, that doesn't believe that we sin. More than that, They believe that sins have to be forgiven. Now where they part company with the word of God is this. How can their sins be forgiven? How can their sins be forgiven? I would like help from God tonight that when you leave this hall, you have a very clear understanding how your sins can be forgiven. Because the people of Mark chapter 2, where we first read, they didn't know how their sins could be forgiven. All I knew is there was a man that was sick, he's on his bed, he was helpless, and the Lord Jesus is standing back and saying to this man, Thine sins be forgiven thee. And that left them in a great quandary, great question. How can this man declare that this man's sins are forgiven? Come on, you couldn't see the man's sins forgiven. When the Lord Jesus said to him, Your sins are forgiven, he looked the same at that moment as he did five minutes later. But there was a change. That man had a power after his sins were forgiven that he did not have before. The power that he had after his sins were forgiven that he did not have before was to be able to take up his bed and it was his bed which represented his sins and walk. And he could never do that before. I want to notice with you tonight three very simple things about the forgiveness of sins. I want you to notice, first of all, there's a place where sins can be forgiven. The place of the forgiveness of sins. I want you to think tonight of the price. There's a price when it comes to the forgiveness of sins. 
my boys have a small business back in New Brunswick and they have an older, like I said, older man that works for them, but he's two years younger than I am. Emory has one thing in common with everybody who works for the boys. One thing in common. He owes everybody money. He's always out of money. So he's always, his favorite expression is, spot me at 20. Must $20. And he has $20 that uh, he owes me. And he's owed me that $20 lately for five, six years now. And uh, to be truthful with you, I really don't want him to pay it back. Because if he paid it back one week and he wanted it back the next, then we'd just be an ongoing thing, so we just kind of keep the $20. But he's always kind of got fears that I'm going to ask him for that $20. When I've been away and I come back, he'll say to me, Hey, well, how was your trip? And how was this? And how was that? And he's talking away, almost kind of to divert my thinking so I don't say, Hey, got my $20? Now you could sit there and say, uh, Come on, let the old fella have the $20. Wait a minute, it's not your $20. It happens to be owed to me. People get all kinds of thinking that uh, God should just kind of look the other way when it comes to their sin. After all, this is the way that God has made us. And why does he get all worked up about this thing called sin? Well, my friend, let me tell you tonight that sin is far more damaging to you than it ever will be or ever has been to God. And just as sin has ripped and plowed and torn this world, this life, God has seen to it will never do the next in the next world or the next life. Therefore, sins must be forgiven. So, somebody had to pay the price. The one who paid that price was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And when he died on Calvary's cross and cried, It is finished, the word includes the statement, Paid in full. All that God required to have your sins forgiven was fully met in the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. Now before we get too far into this, let me go to you individually in this meeting tonight. Just as if you and I were the only ones here. Are your sins forgiven? Are they? When did that happen? How do you know it happened? Can you rest tonight knowing this? That God has no claim. Now I'm not saying that after a person is saved they don't sin. The Bible teaches different than that. In fact the Bible says if we say we have no sin we've deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. But my friend that once for all experience of your sins being forgiven is the same thing as being born again. The same thing as being saved. Just in a different aspect of its truth. You see, understand tonight that sin causes a terrible defilement. Sin is a defiling thing. I don't have to likely overstate that tonight for you to understand that sin has defiled society. Sin has defiled mankind. It's defiled his mind. It's defiled his hands. Every aspect of mankind has been defiled by sin. And as a result of that, the defiled man must be cleansed. But more than that, sin is not only a defilement, but the Bible says it's like a disease. And just as sure as that defilement has to be cleansed, the disease has to be cured. Someone has got to have the power to cure you of your sin. Not only to cleanse you of it, but to give you a power that will cure you from its power, from it overtaking you. It's like the young boy that came to his mom, he said, Mom, I try and I try. But I can't stop lying. I try, but I can't stop stealing, or whatever it might be. How about you tonight? 
Do you have a power over those things in your life? But more than that, it's a debt that has to be cleared. Sin is a debt. And the Bible speaks of people in the, in the Bible, and they were debtors. And they came and it says when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. So sin is a debt, and that debt, my friend, must be cleared tonight. Someone has to pay the price to put it away. Now, it just so happens to be, whether men want to argue it, dispute it, or, or whatever, it just so happens to be that you and I are hardwired to be conscious of wrong in our life. Even though we may not want to call it sin. Even though we may not want to put a biblical term on it. We have a conscience within us that has so built us that we know when we're doing wrong. Now the Bible says that we can continue to do that wrong, continue to sin against our conscience, and pretty soon we're not even conscious of the fact we're doing it. That does not make it less serious, friend. That does not lessen the consequences of sin tonight. Sin is a desperate thing. I can't imagine a world without sin. Because I've never lived in any other kind of world, neither have you. But I'm thankful to tell you that I'm going to the next world. I'm going to heaven tonight where there will be no sin. No, just get the picture here. Here's a man, and uh, he's on a bed, and he's been on that bed for a long time, and obviously he couldn't work to have his sins forgiven. He couldn't join a church to have his sins forgiven. There was nothing he could do. It's a picture of the utter helplessness of someone when it comes to having their sins forgiven. Understand, you are powerless tonight. You are powerless to make right what sin has made wrong. The Bible says, for when we are yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And I'm just thinking, you know, let's stand here tonight in a public meeting and talk about forgiveness in a world that knows nothing about it. We have never lived in a more unforgiving world than we do tonight. Do you understand? Not that I watch them. Not that I read them. The, the biggest watched shows of our day are shows of violence, shows of revenge, shows of retaliation. Nobody has to forgive anybody, says our world today. Children are taught when you go to school. He does that to you or she does that to you. You don't have to take it. Here's what you can do. I was in Toronto one time having gospel meetings. Those three young boys got in a fight over a ball cap. One of them was stabbed to death. Fighting over a ball cap. A baseball cap. He said, that's hard to believe. I'm afraid it happens. It happens. Because we live in a very, very unforgiving world. How are you when it comes to forgiveness? Can you forgive anybody? You say, well, I try. Well, I guess we all do. But I want to make something clear tonight. Nobody can truthfully forgive that hasn't experienced first a forgiveness by God. Now just follow this story for us. As it goes here in Mark chapter 2, the Lord Jesus Christ is in the house and it does not say he's performing miracles. He's in there and he's preaching the word unto them. Why does it say that? I mean, there's parts of the Bible that says he was doing miracles. How come in Mark chapter 2 it doesn't say that he was performing miracles because he's going to perform one? It's for you and I to understand, my friend. What you need tonight isn't to see a miracle. What you need tonight is the Word of God. Because it is the Word of God that brought about this man's forgiveness. 
And that word came from the lips of the Savior himself. When he said to him, Thy sins be forgiven thee. And the man's sins were forgiven. But here he is brought by these four men, carrying him out of bed. They get to the house. The house is filled with people. There are people actually standing outside. Can't even enter the house because it's, it's packed with people. I think at that point I'd say, hey, you know, if I was the fellow in the bed, I'd say, hey, guys, don't sweat it. Just take me back. I'll come another day. But they were so insistent. They were so persistent. They couldn't wait another day. Can you? If you're in this gospel many times, you know you are. You know your sins haven't been forgiven. And my friend, understand it clear. If you die with your sins unforgiven, you will be in hell. The Bible makes that very, very clear. These men will go up and they will lift the tiles off the roof. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes that their friend might have his sins forgiven. Now here they are, all in this house, packed with people. All of a sudden the tiles start to lift off. And there's a bed coming down right to the Savior. Right in front of him. When the Lord Jesus saw the faith and the effort of these men, he just simply looked unto that man and he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Oh, wow. Now it's going to start some problems. Here's people and they're saying, Well, this man is speaking blasphemies. Who can forgive sins but God only? Let me ask you tonight. Who do you think forgives sins? Who do you think? Do you know anybody that can forgive sins? Oh, wait a minute now. You can forgive your fellow man because of something that he has done to you. You can forgive a fellow student, a co-worker, whoever it might be. But that's not forgiving them of their sin. The only one that can forgive sins is the one you sinned against. That's God. And it had to be that these people didn't realize the Lord Jesus Christ was God. And he was going to show them, he's going to demonstrate to them that he had the authority and he had the power to forgive sins. Now that's a power tonight I don't have. That's a power you don't have. But you know what you can do tonight? You can receive the forgiveness of your sins. In fact, your Bible doesn't even ask you or tell you to ask for the forgiveness of sins. That might surprise you. It does for a, a Christian, a believer, but nowhere in the Bible... Is an unconverted, saved person told to confess their sins. You know what they are told to do? To admit their guilt. To simply admit before God, I am guilty. Not describing or defining their sins, but to say, I have sinned. You prepared to tell God that? I have people that say to me, well, God knows that. Why do I have to tell him that? Well, God knew where Adam was in the garden, but he still said to him, where art thou? Because, my friend, Adam had to find out where he was. See, people have no concept until they read the Word of God how serious a matter sin is. It was about five years ago in the state of Ohio. And there's a young lady driving down an interstate, not too far from Columbus. Dark, rainy night, something like a night like you got tonight. And she drove along that interstate. I said it was coming home about 2 o'clock in the morning from a night shift. I'm not sure she's a nurse, whatever she's doing, she's come home from her work two o'clock in the morning, very unsuspectedly, and also right through her windshield of her car came a concrete block that literally messed up Vicki Prandtl's face and Vicki Prandtl's future forever. 
that car kind of careened off the side of the road and people stopped to help. Of course, the fellows up, up above here that had, whoever it was at that time that had dropped or taking off later to be apprehended, later to be caught by the police. Now just bringing that scene forward into a courtroom scene. It was, it was quite a scene, I guess, to be there that day. There was a judge that sat on the brown, judge that sat on the bench by the name of Judge Brown. The man that was really convicted of doing that was a young fellow by the name of Jeff Brown, no relation to the judge, 20 years old. And Miss Prattle sat in that courtroom that day, and uh, you may not have known what she looked before, but you knew what she looked like in that courtroom. It was, it was rather embarrassing, they said. The whole of that community, almost the, that part of the state, were just so angry at what had happened to that young woman. That courtroom was packed to overflowing as people came to make sure, to make sure that this doesn't happen in the state of Ohio again. That justice is served to this young man. That they'll put him somewhere in a jail cell, throw away the key, and forget about him. You know how they talk. Let's stay in that particular court. Prosecuting attorney with a table there with a cement block on it. And other evidence. Tagged, identified. Stood up and he presented his case. I'll tell you something. Everything went against Mr. Jeff Brown that day. He's not now the wild young man standing on the overpass with whoever dropping a concrete block on the cars that went underneath. Now he's dressed in his suit and his tie, clean, shaven. Young man standing there very, very presentable. He was asked to stand to his feet by the judge. He was asked by the court, by the judge, how did he plead to the charges that are against him? He looked that judge right in the face and he says, Guilty, Your Honor, as charged. The judge knew what was coming. Well, that court didn't. He looked over the corner and he asked Miss Prattle if she could to stand to her face, to her feet. You know what that judge said before he said Evan? He said, I have no idea what you look like, Miss Prattle, before. She, but I want to tell you today that this saddens every heart in this courtroom. Now he said to the court, Miss Prattle has something she wants to say here this morning in this courtroom. She looked across at the young man that rainy dark night that had dropped that concrete block that had literally displaced her eye, had knocked most of her teeth out, just messed up her face. She looked across at him and she said to him, Mr. Brown, I'm a Christian. And because I am a Christian, I just want to say to this court today that I forgive you for what you have done. And really, she says, I have no more to say than that. And she sat down. Before anybody could say anything, you know what the judge said? He finished what he was talking about before. He said, whatever kind of a person, however beautiful you were before Miss Prattle, there hasn't been a more beautiful person in my court than you today. That to this young man, Mr. Brown, he says, stand to your feet. He said, do you understand you could have been put away in a federal prison in this country for years? But the very one whose life and future and face you have messed up, and the only one in this court that has the power to forgive you is just forgiving you. The man began to weep. Young Jeff Brown, 
Brown began to cry. Through his sobs and tears, he said, Miss Prattley said, I don't deserve this. He says, thank you for giving me another chance to live my life right as I should live it. The court was dismissed. Understand the point of that? That woman in that court that day had a power that even the judge did not have. And it was this, to forgive the one, the very one that had done such against her. Do you understand, my friend, there's only one that can forgive you tonight. He was the one who bore the lash at Calvary. He's the one who bore the judgment of God's wrath against our sin. He's the one who bore the penalty of it. He's the one who took the spittle of men in his face. He's the one who took the crown of thorns upon his brow. He is the one that will look at this man in his bed and say, Son, thy sins are forgiven thee. Now let me address the questions. First of all, where can sins be forgiven? Your sins forgiven? Where'd that happen? Oh, you say, no, that's happened a few times. Happens only once. Just as it only took one bite, as we noticed last night, one serpent's bite to bring the penalty, one sin to keep you out of heaven, once to be born again, once to be saved, once to have your sin forgiven. Where did it happen? Just last weekend. For me, I saw where it happened. Went back to southwestern Ontario, showed a fellow preacher, a friend of mine, the house in which we were living, my parents' house at that time, and pointed right to the room where my sins were forgiven. No priest was there, no pastor, no preacher. I just simply accepted what God said in His Word that the Son of Man had come to seek and to save that which was lost. So, where were your sins forgiven? Where? Now, this is important for you to understand, friend. The reason that you have this story given to us in uh, Luke chapter 5, Matthew chapter 9, Mark chapter 2, three times over this statement, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, it is absolutely essential that you understand that only while on earth can your sins be forgiven. That's clear to everybody? Only while on earth can your sins be forgiven. Some kind of a notion that after I die that there's a cosmic set of scales and God's going to kind of weigh one thing against the other and surely if I'm on the light end of the scale he'll balance things out and I make out alright. Not going to happen. The Bible says you've already been weighed in the balances. It says you're already found wanting. The only time, the only place that your sins can be forgiven is on earth. While well, you're on earth. Let me think of it. If there's any other place if there was any other way they could be forgiven, why would he come to earth? Why would the Lord Jesus come to earth? Would he not just stay in heaven and fix it up there? I mean, he didn't have to come to earth to create it. He just, God just spake the words and the earth was created. But he actually had to come to planet earth to go to a cross to pay the debt where the sin had been committed. I sometimes am called upon, if I go to a bank, I know your local banks, but I was at one here in Iowa, and they're always asking me for my driver's license. And I said to the uh, teller at the bank, just a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, I do hope that you're the only person I'm going to show this to, the only person in this state that requests it. And she looked back right away, she says, I hope so too. You know, the other person I could request it is the policeman. I suppose that, uh, while I was in Iowa three weeks ago, I got a speedy ticket. Somewhere I find a court here in New Jersey and say, I'm here to pay my speeding ticket. I say, wait a minute. 
That didn't happen in the state of New Jersey. That happened back in the state of Iowa, sir. You must make it right where you made it wrong. So that's why the Lord Jesus did not stay in heaven. God did not simply sit on his throne and say, listen, I created the earth without going down there. I will forgive man's sins without going there. Not so. Listen to a text. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into, came into the world to save sinners. He had to come to earth to forgive sins. Thus, only while you are in the body, only while you are on earth can your sins be forgiven. Where to happen? Go to this man. Go to him and say, uh, where, where were your sins forgiven? What do you say? He said, there's a house back there. And before he started to finish talking, like he was running to it to show you it. He said, it was right there. And he said, they, they took the tile out. He'd tell you all about it. And there would be no hesitancy at all. He would simply describe and define for you that beautiful moment when his sins were forgiven and where he stood up, picked up his bed, and he began to walk. There's a change in his life. Notice before that's called, thy bed, thy bed. Now it's the bed. There's no longer something attached to his person. When I think of a person like this man in a bed, you say, what's the significance of the bed? Well, he had no control over it. Wherever that bed went, he went. He just kind of went after it. It's just like a person with their sin. They just go after it. More than that. A bed's a thing of comfort. And it's sad when you think about it. You know something? People become comfortable in their sins. Man just said to me a little while ago, he said, I have no idea, sir, why you are so excited about this. It doesn't bother me like it's supposedly bothering you. Why isn't it concerning me? Oh, I said, the reason it isn't concerning you is that you are in darkness. The Bible says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You've never been awakened, man. You're asleep at the wheel. Just because this doesn't bother you tonight, just because you can get up off that comfortable seat and go to this hall like you heard nothing, doesn't mean that your sins aren't real. It does not mean that you don't have to answer for them, because my friend, you will answer for every single one of them, unless they're forgiven here on earth. When can, where sins can be forgiven, and when can they be forgiven? Well, the Bible says, Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I know it was a little unfair. Okay, let me just preface my remarks by saying this. It was a little unfair. I was on an aircraft one time, flying between Toronto and London, Ontario. It would only be about a 35 or 40 minute flight. And uh, there was one seat left on that aircraft, just a twin engine triple prop aircraft. And a uh, man came in and just the way he was dressed, you could tell that he was... He was a religious man. Just let me say that. Then he sat right down beside me. Got into conversation. He got to high school with uh, Marvin Dirksen. Down in Livingston, Ontario, not far from where I lived, and so on. And uh, just as we got into conversation, I said to him, uh, Hey, you know, I said, if uh, Captain came out here, he said, uh, We've got to ditch this thing. We've got to put it down. We're going to put it down here in a cornfield in southwestern Ontario. But we got two men on board here, and they're religious leaders. And uh, if you got to talk to them about nothing, you can talk to either one of them. That's you and that's me. And so uh, people are obviously panicking. 
But they're going to come to you maybe and say, hey, how can I know that I'm right with God? We don't make it here. How can I know I'm right with God? I said, if you don't mind me asking you, I forget his first name. I said, what would you tell him? Well, he said, that's kind of an unfair situation. Hey, I said, that happens. Unfair or not, it's a real situation. Well, what would you tell him? Well, he said, I'd say, what do they want to tell me? I said, well, what might they want to tell you? Well, they might want to tell, might want to tell me some things they've done. Like, as per se, sin? Yeah, he says, sin. I said, what are you going to do with it? He said, that's my work. I said, what's your work? Well, he says, my work is to let people know that their sins can be forgiven. I said, you forgive them? Yes, he says, representatively. I says, who would you be representing? Well, he didn't want to say he was representing God. The thing was so empty. Finally, I said, um, well, he, he turned to me and said, so what would you tell him? Oh, I says, what would I tell him? I would tell him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I would tell him that the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I would tell him, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he said, okay, okay. Hey, wait a minute, my five minutes aren't up. He couldn't fill his five. That mean I couldn't fill mine. If somebody was to ask you before you came to this gospel meeting, if somebody was to ask you, sir, can your sins be forgiven? What would you have told them? What would you tell them now? If they said to you, where can they be forgiven? Where would you tell them? You wouldn't tell them. 61 Prospect Street down there at the Gospel Hall. Oh my friend, we, I can't forgive your sins. This building can't forgive your sins. And nobody that's entered into this building can forgive your sins. But you know who can forgive your sins? The one we're preaching. That's Acts 13 and 38. Be it known unto you men and brethren that through this man Christ is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins and by him all are justified from all things from which they could not be justified by the law of Moses so we've established who can forgive sins God can forgive sins where can sins be forgiven right here on earth when can sins be forgiven now I have no guarantee my friend that your sins can be forgiven tomorrow because I have no guarantee that you will be here tomorrow or I will be here tomorrow and my friends, your sins being forgiven, being forgiven isn't sitting, sitting down and answering the right questions that some preacher puts to you. Your sins being forgiven, that is a transaction, if I can use that word, between you and God. The moment that a person simply comes to God and pleads and confesses, I am guilty, I sinned, like David you know what the Bible says? He's ready to forgive. And you can have your sins forgiven tonight. So, he said to the man, Not only thy sins be forgiven thee, but he says, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And the man that had his sins forgiven did something he could not do before. He picked up his bed and he walked. Too often I see people trying to carry their bed that's never had their sins forgiven. Too often I see people trying to leave the water pot like the woman in John chapter 4 and they can't do it because their sins have never been forgiven. Too often people are trying to cast away a garment like the blind man did that came to the Lord Jesus but they're bringing it back all the time. You know why they can't forsake it? Because they can't forsake their sin. Do you know why they have no power over the bed? Because their sins have never been forgiven. 
I, I can't convey to you tonight, friend. I cannot overstate to you tonight how anxious God is to forgive your sin. Because His Son has died. It doesn't cause the stroke of a pen in heaven. Nothing needs to be done. The work is finished. God, by His Word, what did He preach under them in the house? His Word. The night that I got saved, the, word, the verse that I was reading had nothing to do with the forgiveness of sins. Really, it had nothing to do with Calvary or the cross. The verse was Luke 19 and 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I was literally taking God at His word that the purpose for which Christ had come was that I might be saved. You know what He did that night? He did just that. He saved me. Saved me from my sin. Gave me a power over sin that I have never had, never had before. I still sin. And as a believer, I am by the word of God asked to confess my sin. And I seek to do that. Well, let me make it very clear before I close this meeting in prayer, friend. If you die with unforgiven sin, if you die in your sins as you are, said the Lord Jesus, where I am, ye cannot come. Whatever you do, whatever happens, you make sure that you get this settled before the end comes, before you die, that your sins are forgiven. Shall we pray?